What's everybody just doing a quick cold open for this Monday show today. We're going to talk about uh, a year in review, the best and worst of um, wrestling, in my opinion. And I still have not recorded the AEW episode because as I record this, we are less than a week away from winter's coming. Once winter Cummings hits, then winter Cummings, winter's coming hits. <laughs> um, I will record that episode next week and put that out. Um, I just was waiting because I just have a feeling something's going to happen. And I wanted us to do this cold open because they're doing Hangman Adam Page and Brian Danielson match. And I have to imagine, because they're doing that match there, right? It's a big show. But they have the Battle of the Belts, which is going to be January 5th, I believe, the first Friday of the new year. So I'm like, what's that match going to be? Because no one else is established for a World Heavyweight Championship match. So I was kind of just sitting there like... You know what I was thinking? What if they do the Gold Dust Savio Vega finish from 1996? For some reason, 96, I think 96, if a gun's put to my head, 96 is probably my favorite year. I don't know why, but I just enjoyed some of the booking. Like, Gold Dust coming out of WrestleMania was the Intercontinental Champion, and he had a match with Savio Vega. And they had a match, and I, I was a huge Savio Vega fan. I loved the Caribbean music, loved the gimmick, all that stuff. Um, I loved his style. Don't know why I just did. Anyways, so they had a match on a random Monday Night Raw. And I remember this vividly because we were so poor, we ended up losing cable the next Monday. So I couldn't finish the conclusion. I ended up watching it at a friend's house. Anyways, the end of the match saw a double pin. And then it was, say, hey, ties go to the champion. Well, the reason why Goldust is a three-time intercontinental champion is because they said, we're taking a belt from you. It's going to be settled the following week in the Raw main event. So essentially, you thought you had a title change with Savio. Crowd went crazy. There was no title change. They made the title vacant for one week only. And it was those two going to go at it one more time for the Intercontinental title. The following week, Steve Austin ended up screwing Savio out of the match. So Savio has never technically won a championship in WWE. But I would have to have, I had to have a feeling they're going to do something like that in this match. They're not going to have Brian lose yet. But I think Battle of the Belts, they're going to do a rematch. It's going to be forced to be a rematch. And that's where Brian loses for the first time. I think this is going to come up to be a tie somehow. Time on the draw is too easy. I would have to assume it's going to be a double pin of some kind. I don't know. I just want to do this cold open and do that quick prediction as I'm looking forward to it. But anyways, check out this show. Um, and this week also we have episode three. Uh, of uh, Hawkeye Review. Now, the following week, I'm trying to think about how I want to do it. What I may do is do a review of Spider-Man Home, um, Far From Home and do also a Hawkeye. But or I, might, I might just wait. I don't know. Because as of next week, it's episode five. We'll see how I feel. Like I need to actually watch Spider-Man Far From Home um, and see how that ends up being, and then we'll go from there. Um, and I'll explain why I would do that. I probably won't do both. I probably won't mix both. I probably might just keep it one or the other. Um, but anyways, enjoy the show. Love the feedback. You guys have a great week. I am so chemical. This is I see things a little differently. What is up, everybody? This may be getting recorded a little too prematurely, but. I have to feel, I don't know, but we'll see. But um, as we wrap up this year, um, 
I want to talk about like the top 10 moments in wrestling, top 10 AEW moments, m- matches. These will be separate episodes. So today's episode will be the top 10 moments in wrestling in 2021. Good, bad, all mixed into this episode. It's the only thing we're talking about. Then we'll do separate episodes, uh, f- closing out the year, um, with news and notes as we choose. Um, so today's episode, as I record this, is November 16th. But I have a feeling AEW may have something up their sleeve. So I will save that for AEW. I'm going to save AEW for the final Monday of the year. Because I have a feeling they have one more thing up their sleeve. I, just, I don't know what it is. I just, have, I just have this weird feeling about them. I think WWE is done for the year. <laughs> um, as they lead into Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, etc., etc. Anyways, let's get to it. The top 10 moments in wrestling, to me, in 2021. Number one, this is in no order. This is just how I wrote it down, how I thought it. Number one, Christian returns at the Royal Rumble, has the greatest comeback year in pro wrestling history, outside of being the most underrated wrestler of all time, which is a backhanded compliment. He is without a doubt, without a doubt, have the greatest comeback story in less than one year's time. He returned to a surprise at the Royal Rumble. Remember, this is before fans came back. So we had an empty, uh, well, no, it was what was that thing called? The, the, the whole, this was stupid as hell. Um, what was it called? The Titantron, Thunder, Thunderdome, or whatever. Um, he, we had the Thunderdome Royal Rumble, which he returned to, which I popped huge for. Edge obviously won the Royal Rumble, went going wire to wire. Christian returned then. That was his only appearance, though. Uh, and then, or, or was he a, was he a, or a Legends Night? I don't remember. Either way, he makes his return there, which is main event number one, and he main events a WWE pay-per-view. A company that, even though he's had some success in it, he's been highly underrated, highly underappreciated. Fast forward. Tony Khan has a surprise with one of the biggest free agents. And it was quite disappointing to a lot of people when they seen Christian Cage. I was happy to see him in AEW. It was clear he wanted to end his career on his terms. I was excited. I know it didn't go over as well as people would have thought. And Tony Khan did kind of hype it up too much. But you know what? Fuck it. Teach his own. He then goes on to be undefeated for a little bit. Before then, it's Impact World Heavyweight Championship match on Rampage. The first Rampage of the year. Kenny Omega, who at the time still was the AAA heavyweight champion, still is, as of this recording, Impact World Heavyweight Champion, and the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Christian, in a surprise, defeated Kenny Omega. Not many people can say they've done that. Defeat him with a nice, uh, what's it called? Implant, um, I know he's going to call it, I'm prettier. Threw it on a, essentially, his head was in a chair. Nailed it. One, two, three. Come back and wins the World Heavyweight Championship for Impact Wrestling, a title he never won. Remember, he won the NWA Heavyweight Championship when they were NWA TNA, but then gets a World Championship. That is just, that's not even the cake has been fully baked yet. Due to Hangman wanting to take PTO, paternity leave, he ends up getting slotted into the main event of All Out, which is AEW's WrestleMania. He loses to Kenny Omega, but it's his second main event in two different companies in less than one year. All while he is still the Impact Heavyweight Champion. 
No one did. No one figured he was gonna win AEW title, but that's okay. Then he goes on to Impact's WrestleMania, bound for glory to defend and lose the Impact World Heavyweight Championship, but has three main events in three different companies in less than one year time. The greatest comeback in wrestling history goes to my man Christian Cage. Yeah, I'm biased. Yeah, I'm a huge Christian mark, but you know what? Fuck it. It's my show, my opinion. And also at the same time, this is to me is undisputable. Shawn Michaels, even when Shawn Michaels came back, yes, he came back, won the Elimination Chamber, had a great match with uh, Triple H at SummerSlam 02, won the World Heavyweight title for a month. Cool. Ends up having a WrestleMania match that steals the show next year. But this is different. This man, this man hadn't wrestled in six years or something like that, five or six years. And to come back a main event in three different companies' pay-per-views, just unheard of. Christian. Hell, I'm looking. I'm so looking forward to seeing him grow. And even if that was his last championship run in his professional wrestling career, he is so far from done just wrestling and having great matches. So salute to him. Number two, one of the saddest moments in professional wrestling history is ROH has shut its doors for the moment. As we speak, I will not say they're dead. I will not... Um, I don't know what we're getting. We're essentially getting what happened with NXT. What's up? The ROH is taking a ROH is taking a hiatus. Um, but we've seen the first ship fall, the first domino fall. Excuse me, uh, with Jay Lethal signing with All Elite. Um, so I don't know what to expect. We've already done that retrospective on ROH, the old ROH. But you know, to the talents who are there, I know they're getting bookings. I've seen a lot of them on online. They're already been, been getting bookings. They're, they will be fine. But what will ROH be in April when and if it comes back? I have no clue. But it, to me, is one of the saddest days because without ROH, there damn sure isn't AEW. There damn sure isn't a Seth Rollins. There damn sure isn't a lot of wrestling you guys see on these shows right now. I don't care if it is a WWE style. You don't see a lot of these top guys right now without ROH. So, Number three, fans return at WrestleMania this year, and they give WWE... They, they just gave the show life. As much as I liked the Royal Rumble and I took it for what it was, I had to watch the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite pay-per-view of all time WWE ever produces. I have to watch it every year. It's just the one show of the year I have to watch. I mean, even more so than WrestleMania. I have to watch it every year. Um, but it was it was clearly missing something. The Thunderdome shows weren't good. Wrestling front, no fans were, were no good. AEW was able to bring back a small portion of fans. But obviously it wasn't the same. But this year at WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley opened with the WWE Championship match, and it, it felt different. It felt better. It felt right. It felt normal. Fans returning, it, even though even though it was at like 20% capacity, it still felt right at a WrestleMania having fucking fans. So uh, it, 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 it meant more to watch it this year because of what happened the previous year and what we've all been through as we're still in the middle of, of this pandemic. And this virus that just seemingly won't go the fuck away. But we will win this battle and it will go away. So, number four, the forbidden door is freaking open. Kenta opened that forbidden door. And to me, I would have to think John Moxley is the biggest proponent of all this. John Moxley had the U.S. championship for a lot of days. And I know a lot of people are like, well, it should be an asterisk because he didn't finish. When, he st- when, when borders started opening up, even a little bit. John Moxley was all over the place 
defending that U.S. championship and making it feel special. But more importantly, he was making New Japan feel special to even fans who didn't know it. You know, like now Kenta is the U.S. champion and he calls CM Punk. He's been begging for that match with CM Punk for freaking years. He will get it. We will see Kenta versus CM Punk. We will definitely get it. But the forbidden door was open the minute Kenta walked into Daly's place, nailed John Moxley with a go to sleep. He might not have won the title from him. That was Lance Archer later in the year. But the forbidden door is now open. We've seen Suzuki. We have seen um, Lance Archer and, and, and other people go to New Japan strong. We have seen a lot of freaking talented New Japan people. We've seen Will Ospreay. Come to come to the States. Okada is currently in the States as of this recording. We will see more and more of this forbidden door being open. It will be no longer as we go into 2022, it will no longer be able to be called the forbidden door. It will just be an open door fucking policy. And but it's not just like they open it for New Japan. Them creating this buzz with impact. And yeah, I get that they didn't a lot of people didn't feel like AEW did a good job of promoting impact, but to me I think that was by by design. But Impact and AEW and NWA had AEW has worked with everybody, with this, with the exception of WWE. And so, to me, that forbidden door is, is open, and it's now just an open door policy. Five GCW Game Changer Wrestling has become a player, with Nick Gage having the biggest platform he's ever had on Dark Side of the Ring, which then leads to him losing the GCW Heavyweight Championship to Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona of all people, which brought Matt Cardona. Extreme heat, which I loved. To him then being on the biggest stage of his career with him fighting Chris Jericho. Um, they're becoming a player. I'm not big into deathmatch wrestling, but I am happy that this promotion, this uh, air quotes, you can't see me doing air quotes, but I'm doing air quotes, renegade promotion, get some love because they are all over the place. And as this recording, John Moxley is currently a GCW champion. But And the Briscoes are the GCW Tag Team Championships holders, so big time. Number six, to me, the biggest moment. I, I didn't, I, I, I said I know these weren't in order, but this, to me, this is the biggest moment. This, to me, along with some other stuff, um, but this, to me, is important. CM Punk returning to pro wrestling after seven years, returning to a full-time schedule, returning to a huge pop, and returning to... Just the CM Punk I remember seeing in ROH. And um, Tony Khan made it happen. AEW made it happen. Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, the Bucks, all made it happen. And you know what? It's to me, yeah, wrestling is not going to be, I don't think wrestling is ever going to be at the $7 million, excuse me, seven million viewer. Uh, racing in, but it can get back to three or four million. It, it, it definitely can. It's making wrestling more interesting. It's making wrestling more fun. It's making wrestling more relatable when you have Ke- Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, guys who are just badass guys saying, I need to take a break for my mental health. I need to go check into rehab. I was thinking about doing this to myself. When you have people like CM Punk who says, I needed this break, I needed to step away, I needed this. It just humanizes things. It's less of a tough guy, more of just my health means a lot to me. I have people that I have people I have people that I'm responsible for, and I need, I need to live for. Live for. Um, but to me, it was amazing to see it. I I've told a story before about how I accidentally met CM Punk at C2E2 in uh, February 2020. How I was just I was working and I was walking around and I was like, oh, that's cool. CM Punk. CM Punk's here, <laughs> you know. 
Um, didn't talk to him much. I mean, he was openly talking to everybody. I'm just not one of those people. But um, to me, it was a game changer. Him getting first of all, we, he already had CM Punk and Brian Danielson. We 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 that was heavily. I remember when it was first rumored about this about Punk signing, and I remember vividly. And now Punk has revealed also he actually didn't sign this contract until right before he went on TV. And his lawyer said, "Hey, you might want to sign this contract before you go on TV." Um, but he was already it was a done deal. Now I remember I sent it to Figure Four photos. I sent it to Dylan via Instagram like two months before it actually happened. He said, "Man, that's a mythical unicorn." I said, "Nah, this feels different." I was like, "Before." It was stuff like he's in talks or he may do this or he may do that. It was, um, it just felt different and it's been different. And I can't wait to see the future because he showed what he can still do. He showed he can make people love him or he can make people hate him. So good for him. New Japan, number seven. Gets hit with the injury bug big time. Outside of New Japan having these restrictions for COVID, that's normal. But then everything was like the injury bug with these guys this year. Ibushi in the finals of the G1 injured his shoulder really badly. Um, it they just got hit with so many injuries. And now that things are finally opening up, they they need the air quotes for Ben Door to be open so they can just kind of feed people to just wrestle, wrestle, wrestle until other people can come back. But um, I'm glad New Japan's made it through. Hopefully they can get a TV deal over here. Because um, subscribing to New Japan is cool, but it's you have to watch it on a computer. It's just very inconvenient. So I, I, I hope they get a, a solid TV deal over here. But um, cheers and and to and hopefully to to New Japan to get more more success and less injury bug. It feels like you know what it feels like. It feels like a team that won the Super Bowl the year before or the championship, whatever sport you get you off. And the next year, uh, it's, it's, everything's going good. And then they start losing everybody due to injuries. So it's like it feels like the luck wasn't on their side this year. As 2022 hits, New Japan will be fully healthy, fully prepared to go and attack everything they possibly can. Number eight, NXT loses the war and loses itself. What can I say? Um, this goes hand in hand with my number ten. Um, NXT, as we know it, is gone. We have characters like Braun Breaker and uh, Von Wagner, as I was recording, that, is actually on SmackDown now. But we we are seeing the last remnants. And even though Johnny Gargano may resign, they may keep Champa for a little while longer, I don't think they're keeping Kyle O'Reilly. I don't think they're keeping a lot of people. And that's, that's by design. Um, hopefully those guys and gals will have the respect they deserve and they won't get released before they get the opportunity. Hopefully NXT 2.0 can be everything... Um, they want and need, um, but we've already done the NXT retrospective. To me, I don't want to harp too much on it. It's in the archives. Um, but yeah, that was a huge day. Number nine, AEW's debuts. They put pressure on WWE to bring back people. As we all know, Becky Lynch was not supposed to come back until October after the draft, due to all the debuts that they had. They didn't make a splash. So they made two phone calls in SummerSlam, Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar to come back. And they both came back to interesting situations. Um, Brock came back to start a few Roman Reigns and play mind games, which is fun. And Becky Lynch came back to become a heel, which is still one of the most interesting things of WWE's tenure here in 2021. Um, it's clear people do not want to boo this woman. 
and it's clear she's I don't know if she's trying I don't know if she had, I don't know if she's having fun or not, but she's clearly not com- it's clearly something she's having to force. And if you have to force it, it just ain't worth it. But um the debuts, speaking of them, you have Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, Jay Lethal, Christian Cage, Malachi Black. Like these press these debuts alone have got this got AEW so much of a buzz. WWE had to do something. And um when you have people just at home, yeah, bring them back. So uh that was interesting. And number ten, as I said, goes hand in hand with number eight. The WWE and their releases. Where this company's going, I don't know. Will Disney eventually own it? I mean, cool, but I'm telling you right now, for as shitty as that product is right now on Raw a lot of times, or NXT, whatever you don't like right now, it's going to get worse if it's owned by Disney. <laughs> it's going to get or it's probably owned by other people. So I'm, if, it's ever, if it ever does get sold, I'm, the, I'm truly under the impression that I will probably stop watching WWE altogether. So um, the releases have been interesting this year. Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, um... A number of people just have been let go. You know, Tay Conti. Um, who else? Like, it's, it's been so many, it's hard to keep up. But um, they, they're they preparing for the future. Hopefully, this works in their favor. Hopefully, it works in their favor, for, for not just for them, but for wrestling fans. You know, um, I don't think anyone wants to see anyone get fired. Um, unless it's like the speaking out movement or something like that. But um, to me, those are the top ten moments in wrestling. I've talked about a number of these in just uh, shows by themselves, so I'm not going to harp on them too much. But to me, I feel like those moments happen that kind of shaped 2021. That is your show for this week. I am this little chemical, and we are out.